When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking GoWild rewards as you share content because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. The first time I met Trevor Wade was in the chop house in Sevierville, Tennessee. I got kind of a late start headed to the Grand American and it just worked out where Sevierville was a good place for me to pull off and spend the night before I made the the final trek into Orangeburg and I looked across the street and there was a restaurant standing there and I thought well that looks like a pretty good place to eat it's called the chop house it's got to be hog meat and probably a steak in that place so I walked across the street, get a table, I'm sitting there, and I get a text from Alan Gingrich, and it says, Chop House, huh? I look up and look across, and there's Alan, and 
sitting with him as a young guy that I didn't know. So I moved my whole mess over there, um, changed my table assignment. I, I want to give a shout out to the staff at Chop House for being tolerant with me. Uh, they had to change my server and everything. But anyway, I got to sit there and eat dinner that night with, with Alan and Trevor. And as I sat there and talked to Trevor, I realized that UKC made a really good move when they hired this young man. He is from a place not too far from Sevierville, Tennessee. And we're going to hear about his background in coonhounds and hunting. And I try to pry out some secrets of UKC. And he's pretty tight-lipped. He keeps the trade secrets close, plays everything close to the vest. But you're going to enjoy this podcast with Trevor. I recorded it live from... Orangeburg, South Carolina at the Grand American in the Joy Dog Food RV. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest, from the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Yes, we are with Trevor Wade, and we're at the Orange at Orangeburg, Tennessee. Uh, I don't even know where I'm at. You're from Tennessee. We're in Orangeburg, South Carolina, at the Grand American, 2022. And uh, Trevor, I just wanted to have you on the podcast. I know you're not a. I mean, you're not. A, are you still the newest guy in the office? Uh definitely not the newest guy in the office, but uh, uh, still fairly new to the coon hunting scene. I would say. Uh, Still, still meeting a lot of people for the first time because of the whole COVID deal. People are just now really starting to travel again, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. And this was kind of a different world down here because you go into Walmart and some of the places around here. I had to wear a mask and gloves for the breakfast at uh, the hotel this morning. Yeah, that that kind of caught me off guard. I don't remember it even being that bad last year, but I guess the the recent variant or whatever is kind of wreaking havoc around here. Yeah, so a lot of lot of masks. Not yeah. not even seeing that much in Michigan. I don't, I'm not even sure if we're allowed to talk about the C word on this podcast. We usually don't. <laughs> you may you may have to bleep me out. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, Trevor, you're you're definitely you've been around. How long have you been at UKC now? I started in June of 2019, so I'm working on I'm working in my second year here. So oh, you're about still two and a half years. Now. Still learning a lot. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. How old are you, Trevor? 31 years old. 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your job at UKC? I am the Coonhound Program Manager at UKC. What does that What does that mean? Yeah, so my job consists of seeing to the day-to-day activities of the Coonhound Program, a lot of scheduling events, uh, fielding a lot of phone calls, talking to clubs or associations about event dates and and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of a lot of rule interpretations. Um, and then just also getting everything together for, for advertisements and upcoming events and and just all the time working on, on what our next event is. There's always an event on the docket that's coming up. So, uh, 
so like all the you do all the local events and all the major events same same thing there like take Orangeburg or take Grand American here you know the organization sends in their ad and do you guys design that ad or so not so much me we also have a publications department and they'll take uh, last year's ad and, and make the alterations they need working with mm -hmm. Grand American so luckily I don't have to do a lot of that uh, leading up to, to Grand American, I may talk to David, talk about, you know, what's new with Grand American, try to find out for ourselves and, and spread that knowledge within our department. We also have a couple of gals in our department uh, that work hard on confirming events. So they, they may end up talking to David as well to get, sure. you know, times and entry fees and whatnot set on, on the events calendar on our website. But uh, uh, we, we work together as a team. we got a lot of people that help out on that. So. How many Grand Americans you been to? This is my third one. Third uh, one. Yeah, honestly, I I had never hunted here before I took the position. Um, wor I worked in a factory previous to here, so uh, the first weekend of the year sometimes tough to get off of work. And uh, but uh, this is the third one that I've worked here, so and I've had a really good time. Yeah, what what's your impression of the Grand American? It's something, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a little bit different for me. You know, I've been to Autumn Oaks and Winter Classics, and this over here is just just a different part of the country. It's different people. Um, I don't see these folks that, uh, you know, of course there's, there's some overlap, but a lot of these folks are new for me because there's deer hunters, there's, there's rabbit hunters, there's squirrel hunters. There's a lot of, a lot of hound hunters here that aren't just coon hunters. Right. Hog hunters. That's you right. See, you see hog hunting gear on the racks and. That's right. That's, that's all stuff that I'm, I don't typically see at other events. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a different crowd and, uh, I've met a lot of new people here and it's good people over here on this part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to your job at UKC, and then I want to I want to go back and talk about Trevor Wade before UKC, and talk about how you grew up coon hunting and sure. and following hounds and stuff like that. But so um, like hunt reports and different things like that that come in the final reports, those across your desk and sure. Uh, uh, Amanda in our department does a lot uh, on that uh, as far as processing event reports go. Um, I will uh, do a lot of. Uh, getting results together to post on uh, on our website, on our forum platform, or on any of our social media platforms. A lot of that stuff uh, comes on my desk. Um, otherwise, I, I may see some of it, but day-to-day -day she handles that. So when people's names are spelled wrong on Facebook, you're the person to call. That could be my fault. <laughs> that could be my fault. That's true. <laughs> no, I don't, I, you know, UKC's always been known for – just a solid organization and doing a good job and and uh you know just promoting this lifestyle that we have i mean what drew you to come to work for ukc yeah you know it's it's a funny story about getting hired on at ukc let's let's save that i want i okay. want to talk about that in a minute let's let's tell everybody where you're from because you don't talk like you're from michigan no you're right i'm I'm not from michigan i actually moved to <laughs> michigan in september of 2019 after my first world championship but i'm from southeast tennessee a little town called athens and it's smack dab between Knoxville and Chattanooga on I-75. So a lot of people pass by there and probably never even pay attention to it. Is there a sign down there that says home of Trevor Wade now? Not yet, but I, I'm sure they're working on it. They, <laughs> The Trevor <laughs> Wade Memorial Highway. Yeah. Dedicating uh, I-75 to that that part of you. Tribute to Trevor, Trevor Wade. Maybe some of those local clubs will step up and do something like that for me. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it to be a memorial yet anyway. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. So tell me how you grew up in down there in Tennessee. What did you grow up hunting, or what? yeah, you know, um, it, it, my dad was a, a big time outdoorsman. He was always toting us to the woods. Uh, 
mostly to deer hunt. We we did go rabbit hunting some. I had beagles uh, probably since I was younger. It was it was a little bit easier on us living in the city. Um, uh, he he always was taking us fishing, uh, going to those little trout tournaments, or a lot of bass fishing and a lot of bluegill fishing or cat fishing at someone's pond. You know, we we always were outdoors. So I credit a lot of my love for the outdoors to my dad. Um, so you grew up in town. We did, yeah. We we grew up in the city, so so hounds weren't a great option for us. Um, how big a, how big a city is Athens? Athens is a medium. It's it's thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so it's j- That's just about enough. the size of town I grew up in. Yeah. Columbus, Indiana, at the time that I grew up was around thirty thousand people, and uh, I didn't grow up in Columbus. I grew up out in the country and uh, grew up running. You know, I I ran through the creeks and fence rows and fields and woods and all that stuff so how do how do you think that i i think as the way i grew up and how i grew up i developed that deep love for the outdoors and and it just intrigued me but i also took it for granted you know i took it for granted whereas i have other friends of mine that may have grown up in town that are just as passionate about hunting because the experience was different for them. They didn't grow up necessarily with the mud between their toes every day, but they really cherished the opportunity to get out there. And it sounds like your dad gave you that opportunity. He did. And I never take it for granted. You know, uh, we, we had some family farms and whatnot that we could always utilize. And that's a lot of the problem with a lot of kids who want to get into it is they don't have those opportunities to, like you say, stretch your legs in the woods. They don't have you know, if, if you don't have some public land close by, you may not have any opportunities to, to hunt, you know, fish or, or to have those kind of opportunities without traveling. And it just doesn't come easy for a lot of people like dad afforded me the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. So. so how'd your dad make, how'd your dad make that available to you as far as, I mean, get you interested in hounds and, or did you have other family members? So, so my dad did actually have hounds when he was younger. He he ran plot hounds, which is a common theme in my family because a, a lot of our family uh, is, in, ingrained in the in the hound community um it, whether it be coon hunting or big game hunting that some of them run bear and whatnot but uh yeah my dad's my dad's mom so my my mamma is uh her uh first cousin uh, uh is, is a lot of the people i grew up with uh coming up so some names like bill hicks and gene hicks and um and even their, you know, some some of the folks around them, and even some kids I went to school with, we we would go hound hunt, we would go coon hunting a lot um, on some of the farms that we had permission to, and I I really looked forward to hunting season in those days because I had a really good time doing that. But what uh, was it? What was it like going? You know, describe the feelings that you would get when hunting season was coming up. No, yeah, it's it's always a blast. You look forward to it year round. And uh, yeah, now I I take that for granted because I can I can coon hunt year round now. But uh, back in those days, knowing that, you know, th- I didn't have those opportunities because those guys weren't coming to those places. Uh, it's it just gets you fired up when you know it's coming and when it's on the horizon. So I always look forward to that. Yeah, I think uh, anticipation and different things. When I I know when I was a kid. The anticipation of hunting season coming up was was as exciting as hunting that night. In our season, always came in on November eighth. I remember the first year I had my driver's license and a hound. I was going hunting with my uncle Bart, who got me started in uh, coon hunting, and I'm driving to his house 
and I pass him on the road, and it's still broad daylight. You know, it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on November 8th. He goes, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to your house. We're going hunting tonight. He goes, it doesn't get dark for two and a half, three hours. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't take it. I had yep. to go, you know. Yep. Yeah, those are good times. I, I've had a, I've had some other gentlemen that would take me tagging along when I was first getting started into the sport, trying to kind of get out on my own. And we have a we have a community uh, public ground not too far from from where I lived, and uh, it's one of those places where you have to go hours in advance to to get your parking spot. And uh, uh, me and an older gentleman, we went out there, and it must have we must have sat in the daylight for three hours waiting on it to get dark, just so nobody could cut loose in our spot there. And, <laughs> I was still I was still pretty green then and it, it was uh it was exciting. I was so pumped up and then it got dark and we hardly had any hardly hardly any luck at all, but I still had a blast <laughs> that night. That's the truth, man. Back in the back when you first get started I don't know who was who was a sorrier coon hunter, me or the dog I had. I mean it was it was terrible. I didn't have enough sense to train him and, and didn't know what I was doing, but there's a lot of learning to be done. Well, about what age were you when you when you started hunting? Like, well, so going to the woods, being being young, uh, you know, nine, ten years old when I first started going hunting. But when I really got serious about it was when I graduated high school, and uh, uh, started being able to to keep some dogs around, and that's that's when it got serious. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, about, about a dozen, probably eighteen, nineteen years old now, about yeah. a dozen years ago now. Did you did you uh, mainly pleasure hunt or did you do some competition hunting as well? Starting out, I I mostly did pleasure hunting. I had a lot to learn about the competition side. Um, I did go to some to some events uh, with some different people and, and tag along and whatnot, which is always a great thing to do. I'm really glad I did that because it helped helps you learn so much about it, and it teaches you a lot about your dogs and, and what you're lacking and and whatnot and about your knowledge of the rules and there's there's a lot to be learned just going and spectating sometimes I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, starting out pleasure hunting, like you said, my dogs were very sorry for a while, and I <laughs> I didn't know it until I actually got a got a good dog how sorry they were <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the truth you always remember that first dog that's like what have i been doing you absolutely know? Yeah. i uh i really struggled for a while i i i can't tell you how close i was to getting out and that's why i try to anytime i have a platform like this trying to talk people into getting a finished dog before they start out with a pup because i started out with pups i didn't know how to train them i would i would ruin a pup um and then i start got to where i was with these trading trading stuff with dog traders which are not all bad but a lot of times you're going to get someone else's junk when you start trading around right and i just right. ended up with the worst dogs and worst dogs and worst dogs there's a reason why they want to get rid of the dog absolutely and they're willing to take the dog you got yeah they're willing to take my piece of junk so they have to have something bad too right yeah. so yeah. and i ended up looking into this old uh, I, I say old she was probably a six-year-old english female <clears throat> and um man a good dog will teach you so much about about hunting and it's it, it it's what she's the dog that got me hooked I'll, i will say that she was uh, her name was pepper and i got her from a man in london kentucky i drove all the way up there to the exit and picked her up and from then on it was you couldn't keep me out of the woods after that right you know i've said that several times trevor i i truly believe that when somebody says Hey, I got a litter of puppies. I'd really like to get them in the hand, hands of some kids, some youth hunters. I know their heart's in the right place. I know they think that that is the best thing to do. 
But truth be known, you're not doing that kid any favors and you're not doing that pup any favors by giving them to a kid unless they've got some really good mentors that can really coach them along because that's who you're actually giving that pup to is is the guys that that are going to help the young kid you know what i mean you're absolutely and you create a lot of frustrations you know it's it's like okay so you're going to give a kid a pup and put all of this stress on them all of this um responsibility on them to to train this dog and when they're not successful what are they going to feel like how are they going to feel and i i always i have given dogs older dogs that maybe i've got a young dog that i'm that i'm pushing and and really excited about and i've got an older dog i'm the type of guy if i've got several dogs and i can't take them I feel guilty about them standing there and looking at me. I mean, almost you can almost see the hurt on that dog's eyes when you're loading other stuff, and they're like, hey, I want to go. But if you can get that dog to those kids and you want to get kids involved in this sport and get them hooked, that's how you do it. That's absolutely right. And it, it, I, I have done the same thing myself, just trying to – to get those those older dogs that I'm I, I know I'm not going to hunt them like you say I got a younger dog that needs a lot of attention this dog does not need my attention um, and and that is those are the kind that you have to get in in young people's hands and help them mold their love for the sport because getting them frustrated chasing after pups and being frustrated by them not going hunting or not knowing how to tree and all they're doing is messing around with these caged coons I mean I can say this because I did it I'm speaking from from my own uh, we all did perspective so. we all did yeah absolutely yeah we sure did well okay so so you grew up in athens tennessee did you live there your whole life what'd you do what'd you do in, as an adult for a career before you went to ukc sure so i graduated in high school in 08 um i went to the university of tennessee um in knoxville uh, my dream school at the time i probably I, I'm a little more conservative, so going back, I might have chosen a smaller university. It was a you little overwhelming. You went there because their mascot's a blue tick, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you did. There you go. Huh? There you go. Have you ever owned a blue tick? I, I have. Yeah, I actually, I actually have an older. <laughs> Do you name him blue Smokey right because now. you're a Vols fan? <laughs> I, to be honest, one of the dogs I traded for was named was a blue tick named Smokey. See, and that's why you did it. And he could. We're sitting in an RV here at uh, at Grand American. I couldn't cut him loose right here and him make it to the end of the RV without him getting hooked. <laughs> and I, I could correct him, and uh, it, he, I think he liked it being corrected. I don't know. <laughs> he could take every bit of it. Oh, at least he wasn't wallering tracks. You That's know? right. He was, he was action-packed. Treat. He was looking to get treated. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you went to University of Tennessee. That's right. That's right. So uh, I went to University of Tennessee. After, after I was done there, I came back and uh, worked a few different jobs. Um, in Athens, and that was probably the time when I when I moved back to Athens to my hometown. Um, that's probably whenever I started tinkering more into competition, the competition side of things. Uh, um, hunted around. Uh, I I worked at a different. Uh, there's a a couple of factories there in town. I've I've worked at uh, a couple of them for for multiple multiple years. I was actually working at a, a manufacturing uh, plant there in in Athens before I took this job for for five years. Um, and I was the uh, uh, purchasing manager uh, there, so I uh, uh, just ordered parts, and it, it was a good gig. But uh, man, I, I just uh, had made the career change there from that job, and that's when I moved to Michigan. Yep. So you are you married? I am. 
I am. Kids? I have one daughter. She's uh, three years old. She'll be four in a couple weeks. So. Is your wife from Tennessee? She's not. She She's from Wisconsin. So Okay. So moved. you're moving her. That was part of it. You're moving her closer to mama. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. They, they moved to Tennessee uh, uh, when she was young, but she, she always went to Wisconsin. And uh, now we are closer to her family. That's true. Yep. Yeah. 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 I was curious how that was working out. I was getting ready to talk about how, you know, what a, what a, I mean, behind every coon hunter, there's usually a pretty good woman, you know, and if there's not, then you need to find you one. But, uh, uh, unless you're a woman, I guess, I'll probably get in trouble for that comment. <laughs> At any rate, let's move on. Yeah, let's uh, uh, cancel that one out yeah. there. But, uh, no, seriously, you decided to make the life change for your family. But what brought you to, looking at UKC. I mean, what was it about about working at the registry that there had to be something there, Trevor? Some, I mean, you got well, things going pretty good in Knoxville or down, down yeah, Tennessee? Down, yeah, down in Tennessee. Yeah, I had a lot, had a lot, we had a lot going for us. Both of us were had, had jobs that we enjoyed. Uh, you know, we have a one-year-old daughter at the time, and it, it was, uh, I, I was actually working at the time. I was on night shift during that string of time, and I was, uh, it was early on sitting back there lounging on my phone, you know, hard at it. And, uh, I, I saw the, the, uh, ad for this job pop up and I just had screenshot it and sent it to my wife. And, it, you know, I had dabbled in putting on events in, in the past and, and I thought I, I thought I would be pretty good at it, to be honest with you, you know, uh, and, uh, she, she said, Hey, go for it. So that's, I sent him my resume that night, not thinking much of it. You know, I yeah. wasn't sure, you know, what, what it was going to look <laughs> like. Um, and that was I don't know. It, it it was a long drawn out process. So I did that in January. Um, I had multiple multiple interviews. Um, they were really making sure they hired the right person. And um, you know, at, by the end of it, they offered me the job there in the middle of May. And uh, yeah, that was one of the tougher decisions I've had to make. Um, yeah, like I said, my wife had a successful career. She made a huge sacrifice uh, moving cross country. You know, um, we have we obviously don't have any family in Michigan. We're kind of on our own. So. She's been doing the uh, part-time job, uh, take care of the daughter while I'm running all over the country thing. She's made so many sacrifices for our family, and uh, we knew that going into it. We knew we weren't going to have the babysitters or the help from the family, and uh, uh, it was a it was a tough decision to make. But uh, in the end, you know, everybody I talked to about it, and I got a lot of people's perspective on it. It was a kind of a once in a lifetime job, something I was passionate about, and. Uh, I thought that we were young enough as a as a family to make that leap without it having a huge impact on our lives. So, so okay, so I'm gonna back up to the competition part. You know where you were competition hunting because does UKC still have a policy that if you're an employee you can't participate in events? So I I could participate you know around the lo- around the club there in Marcellus or uh, Bellevue, Michigan. I could go to a local event, but if I go to you know, Grand American or definitely not any of our administrative events. It just doesn't look good if I'm out there competing and if, if Lord so forbid, I were to win hunt, something. you can hunt in a UKC event now? I can, yeah. No kidding. When did they make that change? You know, I'm not sure. Ever since I started, that's that's been the policy. I, I can I can go to any local club level event and hunt, yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, one time I know that because um, that was the difference between the guys I knew that worked at PKC and the guys that worked at UKC is you could hunt in events at, at – at PKC. So, yeah. So was there something in your competition hunting career that, that made you think, 
man, I think I could do something good and and help competition coon hunting if I go to work at UKC? Sure. I'll tell you a little bit about my, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I, I, I've talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, back in back in Athens, uh, me and a group of guys, we, we used to put on events that we call our track down cancer events. So basically, they were non-licensed events that we put on um, in multiple counties there around our area where we raised money for the American Cancer Society. And, um, you know, o- over a four-year span of, of just our main events, we raised uh, $24,000 for the Cancer Society. And, you know, we were making a, a good, good headway in our area as being progressive coon hunters and kind of shining a positive light on the community. And, you know, it, obviously it's a much, a much smaller scale, but there I was, I was getting used to, you know, advertising events, uh, spreading the word best I can, trying to get guides and judges together, securing venues, making sure there's food. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And I was doing those things and then it was catching a lot of steam. And, and I, I just felt like, coming to UKC okay there there may be people that are more qualified they have more experience in in night hunts but um I felt like I could I could bring a different perspective to the table I think I and I I just I have a lot of passion yeah passion and I have a lot of creativity vision Trust in myself, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I was com- looking for it. confidence. So, yeah, confidence. a lot of confidence in myself that sure. I can, I could have done it. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it sounds like you, you know, you had a good training ground there to do that. And and I don't want to sidetrack this. I was just talking to Alan a few minutes ago, and um, we got on the subject of what you're talking about right there. It's it's you are taking a cause. You know, track down cancer, created an event around hounds that that did something besides hand a trophy to a guy in a clubhouse, and you know, you 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 attached our lifestyle, our love for the 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 for hunting and stuff, and made a greater cause out of it. And I think that is so important for organizations to find those avenues to be able to to do that. Because if we just keep this within our own community um, and and we hand trophies to, to each other, 99% of the world doesn't know who we are and what we do. Right. But when we do something like that, then we anchor ourselves as being a beneficial part of a community. And who can argue with that? Absolutely. You know, it's it's there are parts of hunting and hounds that are ugly you know there's no doubt about it it's rough it's net natural it's hunting is i'm not going to apologize for hunting but it's not rainbows and lollipops all the time you know things die and and some people don't but when you look at the positive aspects of that between the saint jude hunt and you know the hunt that you were doing the causes that we get involved with it's hard to argue with that and we're seeing more and more of it. You know, as we see a lot of benefit uh, applications come in for clubs. And it's important to to do something that involves the entire community, like you're saying, not just the hound hunters in your community, but have those dinners, have fundraisers that involve everybody in the community where they can come out and they can they can see the hunter. They can put faces to these coon hunters. Yes. And, and they can, you know, uh, learn 
hopefully we can teach them about what we do and we can show them that you know you know we're not just sneaking around in the dark on property that's exactly right man i'll tell you what we and i I, i'm not going to go too far down this path because i want to talk about you but uh you brought it up with your track down cancer we are never going to um change the mind of the anti-hunting crowd that's not our target we need the the 95 percent of the rest of the world just not to not to fight against us you know and when we can do things that are beneficial to the community overall i want to bring those people that are driving on this road out here they're just driving by the fairgrounds today thinking oh the coon hunters are back in town i want to bring them in here and i want to want them to see the the national anthem being played the you know the patriotism of these people the the things going on in this ground for benefits and stuff like that and realize how much that brings to their community absolutely and every chance we get to do that is a win for us in the column no doubt and that's why we create this podcast is to to help us control that narrative so um yeah i, I totally derailed that where we go where, where where were we you were going to ukc yeah i would make it making the move to ukc yeah yeah so tell me uh tell me what it was like once you got there once you got to ukc you said it was your dream job you said it was once in a lifetime and and you went to work there yeah, that's right. I, so I started in June of, of 2019, and, and the first couple months, they, they gave me uh, adequate time to to get acclimated to there. I actually started out going to UKC for a week, working, going back to Tennessee and working from home for a week, and I did that till the end of September, uh, back and forth shuffling, and it was a lot of driving. and But it was a good way to, to get in touch with the community. Um, finally, when... Uh, uh, got the fa- got the family up there in in September um you know we we ended up finding a place um in and uh settling down and and uh and, you know about when we get acclimated you know we we move up there permanently in September about the time we get acclimated uh the the bad word that you don't want me to mention hits hits the the world and, and oh, hits yeah. us by storm oh, so yeah. Uh, you know, a, a newer couple up there with uh, heart, with hardly n- knowing anyone, and then we're you know we're stuck in our in our houses for almost a year. I'm working from home for for om- for over a year. I did. Wow. You know, I would travel to events here or there, but uh, you know, mostly mostly working from home and uh, just uh, very very few trips to the office, and uh, that was really hard. It was. It was a trying time. You know, there's a lot of thinking. When you're sitting at home for that long, there's a lot that can go through your mind about whether you made the right choice or not. You know, luckily we're getting back to, to more normal times now. You know, we've been in the office for a while now, and, and events really got going back last last fall. So, uh, And I'm starting to really get out and enjoy that aspect of the mm-hmm. job. But that those those months were were rough. They were hard. Uh, canceling all the events, It was they were scary, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite far, favorite part of working at UKC? You know the the people. I I've made so many friends already in this job. You know the 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 hound hunting world is is such a tight knit group, and uh, you know I just I can just get along with everyone so well. I see myself in a lot of people, um, and it, they're just the same pe- folks as me. And I like going out. I like talking to them. I like uh, I like hunting with them. You know I like mm-hmm. in, enjoying the show. I like seeing the youth participate um 
that's uh, get, getting out and seeing everyone is, is my favorite part of this job, I would say. Yeah. Or is there any particular event you like working? You know, I, I, I expect people are going to think that I'm going to say Autumn Oaks and Winter Classic, but those two are the hardest, so I won't say that those are my favorite. I, I always have a, a sense of pride whenever it's over and mm-hmm. uh, and then we have a really successful event. Um, I would say my favorite events are probably the Tournament Champions and, and the World Championship. You know, we're... Uh, there there's less once once we get to those finals there's less dogs and it's really more getting to know those people there getting to highlight those people there and those dogs that are among the best in the country that are there competing for the our highest titles mm-hmm. i think i think the tournament of champions is going to be it already is a premier event but i think it's going to be your highest level of accomplishment uh the the quality of the dogs that I'm seeing coming in and qualifying and competing at Tournament of Champions, it's amazing. I mean, it's uh, the the format is a qualification through the year with, with cast wins and, and boom. You, if you've got a decent dog that you can go out there and win five cast wins, mm-hmm. get five cast wins with, you're invited, you know. Uh, it's not the same same format as the world hunt. But you're you're competing with a I feel like a a, a very high level of uh, you know performance dogs there you know coon dogs you're exactly right and that, that's that's exactly what we're looking for there the quality in those events at the zones where you're going to draw them and especially in the finals are going to be the best dogs in the country but also we haven't uh, we we put a lot of emphasis on not pricing anyone out of this event. Five cast wins in a year and a hundred and fifty dollar entry fee. Most working men can afford afford that hunt, and it affords them opportunity to hunt for that title, and to hunt for for a lot of cash. Yeah, how <laughs> much is the payout on it? Yeah, Top payout. So fifty thousand dollars for first place, two hundred fifty thousand dollars total. Um, it's a it's a good opportunity for those folks. Yeah, for for five cast wins and a hundred and fifty bucks. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a Garmin and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. What a great format! Were you were you first tournament champions was last spring, twenty twenty one, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of that, uh, a lot of the groundwork and concept development stuff was you were there in May and worked worked on a lot of that during that time period. That's right. You know, after I started the tournament, uh, the tournament champions wasn't a thing to me yet. I had never heard of it. Um, I, I was at a breed day event with Alan. I, I can't remember which one, but it must have been pretty early on. It may have been English days. I think that was my first uh, my first UKC event. And we went to dinner, and he kind of just mentioned it in passing. And, 
you know, I was almost stunned when he mentioned the amount of money that he had planned for this event. And it's something that he had been working with with local hunters for a while mm-hmm. and, you know, molding and trying to perfect. And when I got there, we really worked hard. I, I think the first, you know, four or five months of my tenure at UKC, we, it was me on spreadsheets breaking down, you know, our, our, obviously our costs, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, costs that go into putting on a quality event like that, but then also, uh, you know, advancements and how much money we would have to, to play with on a, on a possible payout. And we spent a lot of time and effort into perfecting that before we were finally able to, uh, take it to, uh, the higher ups within our company and get it approved. And man, that was, that was an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. So when was it when was it officially approved? So we announced it at my first Autumn Oaks in 2019. Um so it would have been approved uh you know maybe a month ahead of that. So mm-hmm. it it was uh you know we had a lot of stuff in place already and then having to sit there and wait and we were getting in poster boards and whatnot to advertise it and having to keep it a secret leaning into Autumn Oaks was borderline torture. <laughs> but I will never forget, you know. Well, us. I know some of the people that, that were working with Alan to develop it, and it was hard on them to keep it secret, you know. Um, I'm not going to say that they have big mouths, but <laughs> I knew that there was probably something pretty big in the works. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, when that when uh the the night before the announcement i believe we announced that the opening ceremonies on the friday there at oaks um the thursday before we we all the employees that we had taken with us to an event they they brought us into a room and uh and made the end because honestly no one knew but outside of our our hunting ops department and the and the higher management and uh releasing it there and the, and the dollar amount there was just gasp around the room it was pretty funny but then uh the next day when the announcements made to the crowd um you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if there was going to be, you know, murmurs or people, you know, hollering or what. But <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop in the room. It was dead silent. I was like thinking to myself, did they hear what he said or what? I think yeah. they were trying to process what, what he had said. Oh, yeah, I guarantee it. Uh, such a, uh, such, uh, j- just not something you're going to expect at a UKC event. No, right? it was, yeah. it was totally took everybody by surprise because we're all, you know, they make, it comes out and it's like UKC's never done I mean you ran some slams right but not this right you know and then as the you started unfolding it and unpacking how it was going to come about it's like I can do this you know I get to compete for $50,000 and I don't have to spend however much you know Right. Big entry fees and 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 things like that to do it. Right. I really like the way you said that. You know, it's it's something that that any person can qualify for and get involved in. Absolutely. As long as you got a coon dog. Absolutely. And then so management is is taking this big risk for us, uh, guaranteeing a two hundred thousand dollar payout, which is what it was last year. Obviously, now <laughs> it's been bumped up to two hundred fifty thousand, um, uh, and we appreciate them for that for giving us that that leeway. But um, you know, we get into March and the world shuts down and I'm sitting at home thinking, what in the world are we going to do about this $200,000 payout? Yes. Every, every phone call that we're getting, we're getting bombarded with phone calls in this hunting department of people canceling their events. What's about to happen? Because mm-hmm. we're on the hook for this payout. I'm the new guy here. What's, what's about to happen here? How'd that unfold? 
uh, you know, as it, it, honestly, it was a couple months of, of the same. And then finally in June, it seemed like people started, uh, having their events again. And honestly, there was a sense of urgency around coon hunters when they knew that we were still having that event to get qualified. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Alan and I talked about this before the, we think the tournament champions absolutely saved our coonhound program uh, in that 2020 year with with everything going on. I, it drew people out, and uh, it we were able to you know uh, get to a point where we we felt comfortable. So it was it it saved it saved our entries for 2020 in my opinion. One of the things that I constantly see, you know, and and people will now when they're talking about a dog you know used to it was like hey got a cast win last night got another uh first place made so-and-so a night champion you know you see that on message boards and social media all over the place now it's qualified for the tournament of champions last night in bear branch or cross plains or wherever they were i mean it's a big deal they're making an announcement about it absolutely Absolutely, and uh, people people are all the time calling to double check cast wins and whatnot. People are invested in it, and that's exactly what we want. Yeah, and they don't even say tournament champions; it's just talk. Yeah, that's right. Just T O C, right? T O C, capital letters. <laughs> and and if you're a coon hunter, a competition coon hunter, you know what that is. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was a great marketing strategy. So, uh, what are you thinking about? Uh, what's on the horizon? Anything new? Yeah, so any trade secrets you want to reveal on Houndsman XP? <laughs> do we, we don't need to get do we need to get Todd and Alan on a conference call and see what you can talk about? Yeah, yeah, we may need to see what what I can get by with here, but <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, not to tw- put you on the spot, <laughs> not to put you on the spot, Trevor. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure what uh, what all people out there have seen. You know, TOC still running good. Like I said, we've uh, and for people that don't know, we've increased our finals from 64 to 96 now and increased the payout from 200,000 to 250,000. Uh, so that's one change that we've made for this year. Um, we just released our uh, zone and world finals locations, and we're actually going uh, south a little bit. So I know that some of uh, the southern brethren will be happy about that. We're going down to Dyersburg, Tennessee, in the western part of the state, over uh, pretty close to the Arkansas, uh, Mississippi. You know, uh, down in that in the delta, in the Mississippi Delta, and in, in that time of the year, uh, some of the best hunting in the country is what I've heard in those in those Mississippi uh, Delta. Uh, Mississippi River Delta bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of this, this is one of our rule change years. So uh, we, you have just a, a few, you know, a few months here to get in some of your uh, proposals to your breed association because we will be making changes to the rule book in 2023. So if, uh, you know, if you we get calls about rule interpretations and and how people don't agree with them, and now is your chance to have your voice heard and to, you know to do things like that. But can we make tree jacking a scratchable offense? <laughs> that's what i want to do that's yeah. that's my that's my uh only contribution to to competition coon hunting rules that's going to be my campaign anti-tree contact, scra- yeah i got yeah, yeah anti-tree jacking causes okay. too many problems i hate it yeah you have to get that into the plot association i think i saw gary <laughs> cox in the in the building you may have to swing by and see him <laughs> i paid up my my uh, dues to uh do you guys recognize b no it's got to be bboa doesn't it one Which, of the two, yeah, yeah, it would have to be one of the charter breed associations. That's correct. Is BBCHA a charter breed? The BBOA is. Yeah, is a charter I thought they us. were. Yeah. yeah, they're the charter. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I can turn it into BBOA if I if I put it in twice. Does that have some weight? 
with the MPHA and the BBOA? Yeah, that, I don't know if that ups. Honestly, this is my first time ever having a rule change year. This is a first for me, so I'm uh, I'm learning it on the fly here. Yeah, maybe yeah. an Allen question there. Yeah. So, uh, what do you hope to accomplish at UKC? You know, I've uh, is this a long term gig for you? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, you know, I've I've already moved my uh, family cross country, so I'm kind of uh, invested at this point, right? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, when when I came on, you know, you're not living in a van in Kalamazoo. You got a house and everything. Oh no, yeah, we we're permanently there, so there's no there's no running off. We could be permanently there in a van. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Even though I keep getting videos from uh, from my wife uh, of how much snow's on the ground there now, right now, uh, there's like a foot and a half, and I'm down here in sunny and sixty. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, well, I always tell my wife it's rough. I don't want to go. I don't want to go down there. Yeah. You know, I can't stand to be. Then you get here in the sunshine, and you're like, "Hey, this is pretty good. This isn't bad." You get to talk <laughs> to a bunch of buddies and make some new friends. Not how bad is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I was in uh, Kalispell talking about moving, I was joking about people living in vans, but there were people actually fleeing the coast and stuff last year into Kalispell and Bozeman. They were living in RVs in the Walmart parking lot. Mm. I mean, it was crazy. You know, every parking lot was, they basically, generators running and charging, uh, Walmart didn't, but there were places that opened up parking lots waiting for houses to become available, so crazy stuff um are you getting did you move move with hounds you got hounds in michigan now yeah yeah so right now i have a little wide variety um what, I, you, what you got in your yard what you got yeah. in your kennel so right now i have a uh an older blue tick female like i told you and to be, I, I bought her a while back when i was still uh working night shifts um and she was supposed to be kind of a dual purpose dog um she's on the on the back burner right now so i've been trying to place her with uh, like like we talked about, I, I had a I have a young gentleman uh, a couple hours away that I'm trying to link up with to get get him in her hands so that way she's not sitting in my kennel. So, but uh, right now my main dog is a, a two year old Trin Walker male um, out of the dog that I used to own before I took this job, uh, who's who's just got a he's a, he's a pretty nice hound, pretty nice young hound. He's got some finishing out to do, but I don't get to hunt him as much as I did back in you know I used to hunt back before this gig. There's a lot of traveling that goes into it, not a lot of a time to sit home and refine my own hounds and i recently uh bought a black and tan from northern indiana um uh, who's about i don't know he's nine or ten months old right now who's just now started looking up some and seems to prefer running fast game than coon at the at the present but yeah uh, yeah if you harness the energy man yeah it's it's tough. I got to learn some patience, but, uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, just, just recently I actually bought a, a little fast dog. It's probably a little, uh, he's, he's younger than the black dog, but that's cause my three-year-old daughter is addicted to going hunting and she can't stay up long enough to go coon hunting for it to get dark. So we have, uh, we have uh, shifted to coon hunting some and man, the seeing how much enjoyment she gets from walking around in the woods with me with this pup who's treed one squirrel so far is, is unbelievable. She has such a good time at, with her dog. It's that's her dog. She she loves that dog. It's, yeah. I, I, I've it really enjoyed seeing how much she how much enjoyment she gets out of that. Mm-hmm. Now, are you living in Michigan or are you living in you living in northern Indiana? I live in Michigan. I live uh, just west of Kalamazoo. We're smack dab between Kalamazoo and the Lake Lake Michigan in a small okay. town there. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said Michigan, but then the other day when we were talking, you said you live fairly close to Allen and. 
Right. It takes me about an hour, uh, hour to get down to Allen's house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got you. I got you. They kind of got a, a little uh, coon hunter suburb going up there around Allen. I th- Allen, I think it's a, it's it's a big hotbed for coon hunters up there. That's right. They got, they got some real diehard coon hunters in that area, don't yep. they? Yep. 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 So um, shifting gears back to to UKC stuff, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Trevor, if you were going to talk to people that are out here competing um, in these events and and what are some keys to success that they could have you know um, let me think how I want to phrase this what are what are some 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 things that they need to do to ensure that they're successful have a successful experience not not talking about going out and winning but but not going out on out on a cast and then coming back and and thinking they got cheated or uh, disappointed or something like that. You've been here long enough. You've seen enough stuff. You've seen enough stuff come across your desk. What would be your advice to those people that that want to have a successful experience, a pleasurable experience, and compete at this level? Right. Yeah. A few things come to mind right off, right off hand. Um, if, if you're coming to an event like this, don't listen to all the horror stories you see on social media. Um, you know, these, these hunts are enjoyable events and a bulk of the, you know, you go to an event like this and there may be one or two issues during the entire hunt. And tonight they're hunting, uh, 200, they're hunting, uh, almost 300 dogs tonight. And you're talking about one or two issues. It's a very small sample size. And what you put into this event is what you're going to get out of. If you come here with a good attitude and you're going to have, you're going to have an enjoyable hunt with people. Um, if you come here with a crummy attitude thinking that everybody's out to get you, that's when you know that, uh, that you're going to have issues on the hunt. Right. Um, as, as far as, uh, maybe being more successful in the hunt and having a better time, it helps if you've hunted the dog that you're having, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta hunt with the dog. You got to know what the dog's doing. You need to know it's bark. You have to know it's tendencies. You have to know how that dog's going to operate. And when it makes this bark, you know what it's going to do. You know what it's, uh, working on. And of course, know the rules. You don't need to be a rule guru. You don't have to be, you know, Alan Gingrich out there who has the rule book, you know, memorized front to back, but it helps if you know the basics of the rule, what to do if you don't agree with, with someone's call. And, and those things help if you have a, an idea of the rules going into the event. So if you if you can go into it with a positive mindset, know your dog, and, and know the rules, then you're going to have a fun time at a hunt like this. You know, when you talk about knowing the rules, <clears throat> so many times, uh, seem, Alan could tell you for a number of years, every time I would go to an event, a major event, I think Alan just put me down as a judge automatically, you know, and I was like, I judge at the Winter Classic. I judge at Autumn Oaks. I judge here. I judge there. Why are you doing that? Um, But when you talk about knowing the rules, it's, it's beneficial for your judge when you do know the rules. You know, you know why he's doing the things he's doing. Are judges perfect? They're not perfect. But but if you know what the rules are, then you understand why things are going down. So many times I see people come out of the woods and they're like, I got cheated last night. Yep. And you hear the whole story. And it's like, you didn't get cheated. That guy did his job as a handler. You didn't know the rules. And so now you think you got cheated. Have you seen that? Absolutely. I see that all the time. 
um, people are quick to jump to, jump to conclusions when they they're not familiar with the rules. Um, and, and like you say, you know, uh, it's it's funny you say that. Judge selection is one of the harder parts of this job because we know a lot of people don't want to be judges. But when we're putting on an event, man, how good does it feel when you know that you're putting uh, a cast in the hands of a, of a quality judge? And and when you're thinking about I it, I don't from know a why ju- they pick me. <laughs> you must have Alan Fold, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Whenever, whenever, if if I'm if I'm driving eight hours to go to Automotive, let's say this, and you know, I'm going to get selected as a judge because I've been to Automotive ten years in a row. You know, I have a good rapport with with the United Kennel Club, with the Master Hounds. Uh, I'm a trusted person. But still, if I get out on a cast and somebody has no clue what our rules are, and they're, it, we're not there to teach them a lesson. I, I'm, I don't want to say this bad because, you know, it, it's it's important for people who aren't who aren't as familiar with our rules to go to the events and learn things as well. But if if I go to a major event like that, I don't want to have to teach a lesson if I'm judging. I want to judge the cast and enjoy the hunt and hunt my dog and try to win with my dog. I don't want to have to teach you what the tree time is and what happens if your dog leaves a tree and, and stuff like that, that person should be, you know, at least semi-competent when it comes to the rules as well. I'll take some pressure off of you and I'll just lay it out there because it's, I'm not a UKC employee. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so many times you go to a major event like this. Okay. Uh, you've got somebody in your community that has got a pretty nice hound and they don't want to make the whole drive from 10 hours away to, to drive it by themselves. And so a buddy says, Hey, I'll jump in the truck. I'll go with you. And there's come, well, you ought to take, you ought to take your dog with you. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to hunt the grand American, say I hunted it. And then they get out there. They're not prepared. They don't know the rules. They really just jumped in the truck to come for the experience. And I've done, I've had guys like this on casts. At the beginning of the cast, it's like, yeah, you you, you know, how, where are you from? Oh, I just rode down with a buddy. I just wanted to hunt the Winter Classic. And uh, you get out there in the woods, and, and this guy doesn't know the rules, and then you start minusing his dog or telling him he needs to call his dog or this or that, and all of a sudden he thinks he's, you're trying to cheat him because mm-hmm. the only thing he knows about competition hunting is what he's read on, on Facebook that everybody's trying to screw you all the time. It's not that at all. It's that these are the rules, and we have to go by these rules, or it's not fair to your buddy that you rode with. And so you got to know the daggone rules and look at the rules before you before you enter the hunt. Yeah, come and have a good time. But if you're coming just because you want the experience of the Grand American, then just be laid back about it. You know, you, you more than likely your dog's not ready. You're not prepared to, to 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 win at this level anyway. So just enjoy the experience. That's my that's my advice to people out there. Right, and that kind of goes back to to getting out of it what you're putting into it. You know, you're coming down here to have a good time to enjoy walking around the fairgrounds, and then on top of it, you get to go on a hunt and learn something that night. I have found that you can find a fight anywhere you go. If you want to fight when you walk in someplace, somebody's there to oblige you. But if you walk in and some of the, some of the, I mean, greatest casts I've been on have been with the most accomplished handlers and hunters in this game. And, and it's just because they come in with the attitude that I'm not going to win every night. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be cheated because I know the rules. That's my job as a handler to make sure that, that the, 
when you're a member of a cast, then to make sure that those rules are being followed, there's question and you know question processes and rules that cover that. If you know them, it's hard to be cheated. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say a bulk of the people who who we call that have gotten cheated on a cast, um, just flat didn't didn't know the rule that that was being uh, being put on them that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think I, I I'm trying to remember. I think 1985 is a, is the first time I ever entered a competition coon hunt, and maybe in the early days I didn't know enough or I was too dumb to realize I was being cheated. Uh, but you know but but i can't recall i can't recall a single time now that i can i can sit back and say man i got cheated now i know people that have i know that but this whole idea that that competition hunting's for cheaters it's just not true right i i've uh, same i've hunted quite a few casts now leading up and i can think of one time where i felt like i genuinely uh, had a bad break and the, the handler did what any handler would have done in the situation and it, it fell more on a, on a weaker judge in my opinion it wasn't malicious in my in my opinion but uh yeah on, honestly a lot of times if if you're there you're you're not going to get cheated in these hunts yeah. yeah yeah well now that you're on on you know staff with UKC has it changed your percept how's it changed your perception towards competition kunani yeah, you know, it's they they used to be very you know coming into a place like this, you used to be so excited about it about getting to hunt and and, and we now still you get here feel, and you're like, crap, I'm gonna have to work. <laughs> I was gonna say we we I still feel that way pulling onto a fairgrounds when I see dog boxes in the yeah, town. Good for man, you. it gets you so fired up. And then uh, a lot of the events I go to, I do have an opportunity to go out on cast and enjoy it. You know, maybe not with my own dog, but uh, with with uh, friends and and with good, I get to see good dogs across the country, and you can't beat that. Isn't that something? Yep. I mean, you're in the you're in the catbird seat to see the best of the best that that this sport has to offer. That's right. Tomorrow night, I'll get to go out on the final cast of the Grand American and see the the four best dogs here compete for the for the crown of. 2022 grand american champion and that's uh, something a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do so i'm going to uh to appreciate that that's pretty cool i think you got a good attitude about it trevor i hope you have the same attitude and you know 15 years from now yeah. and and uh I, I can tell you this man um i'm glad you came to ukc um alan need a lot of help <laughs> <laughs> I can say that Alan and I are good friends. He'll take it in good, but but uh, no, it. I think I have a lot of respect for Alan. Um, he's been on this podcast several times, and uh, I think you're in good company there. Oh, you're absolutely right, Todd. Not not only Alan, but Todd both are are dog men, um, and they've been putting on these events for a long time. And you know, I've traveled all over this country with Alan the past couple of years, and I've really soaked in a lot of things from him he's he's in my in my opinion I'm, I'm biased of course but i think he's the best at putting on dog events in the country um and i've learned so much of it i'm gonna soak up every bit of information i can from him so mm-hmm. good good deal any final thoughts any, any groundbreaking announcements you want to make to the listeners before we wrap this up 
No, I, I don't have any any top secrets for you right now. You know, I, honestly, all of our big announcements are out for the year. Seems like so. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just uh, I'm glad for the opportunity to be on here. I'm glad for the opportunity to be at Grand American and and a, a, a pretty semi-normal uh, Grand American. Seems like there's a lot of walk around traffic today. We got good weather. We got good hounds. We got good folks here, and we're enjoying our time. And uh, this is the beginning of competition season. You know, we got Winter Classic on the docket before we have a bunch of breed days, and then TOC and. Uh, be here for you know it and it's it's going to be uh it's going to be a good year in 2022 for the no doubt no doubt so uh where's the tournament of champions and when is it this year yeah so our so if if you're qualified if you had if you got your five cast wins in 2021 i'll tell you right now we're going to take this month of january to get in our rest of our reports and get them finalized and uh January or February one, we're gonna post our final list of uh, of qualified dogs, and uh, there at the beginning of February, we're gonna mail out uh, your certificate of achievement along with entry information, um, and you'll have till the middle of March to enter. But uh, our our regions are gonna be April first and second this year, uh, same locations as they were last year. But I will tell you, we got five uh, strategically placed uh, regions across the country. We got one in the northwest and. Bloomfield, Iowa, one in the northeast and at Mount Gilead, Ohio, uh, one in the central part of the country in Lancaster, Kentucky. Uh, southwest will be Conway, Arkansas, and uh, southeast is going to be Comer, Georgia. I know that may not be west to some of you uh, big game hunters out west, but uh, right. the coon hunting doesn't go that far out, right? So, um, <laughs> And the, the finals will be uh, uh, April 22nd, 23rd in Greencastle, Indiana, again, one of the hubs of, of coon hunting in the country. The finals are going to be at Greencastle. That's right. No kidding. Yep. Good deal. That's a nice location. It is. It is. I don't know if you hit the the place that we have reserved to have. It is. It it just gives off a really big event feel. And boy, that's that's a place where I got butterflies last year. We have we have the big dinner. We got the live show going on. And uh, the the top the top ninety six are going to be wined and dined, and then they're going to have their chance at uh, at getting their portion of that $250,000. Yeah, buddy. Sounds like exciting times. Absolutely. Well, Trevor, I appreciate it, man. I I wanted to get you on the podcast and introduce you to – I know you've been on a couple other podcasts and stuff, but uh, I don't know if anybody's really told the backstory, uh, where you came from and things like that. It seems like you get hammered a lot with UKC questions. and (laughs) and, uh, But – yeah, thanks a lot, man. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Chris. I appreciate you uh, letting me spew a little bit about myself and about UKC on your platform. Thank oh, you. you bet. You bet. And I've told Alan this. Feel free to call me anytime if you guys got announcements or you got an issue you want to talk about. Uh, you know, I'd like to have you on again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Trevor, until next time, buddy, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine. That will do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast. Don't forget to check out our friends over at Dogs Are Treed. Paws are protected. Dogs are hydrated. Both are important this time of year. Keep those dogs adequately hydrated and keep those feet protected with Paws Are Protected. Enter the promo code HXP20% off at checkout and you will get 20% off of your entire order. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.